This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulated and their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash Purple Rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. OutSchool.com slash Purple Rocket, code Purple Rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. Previously on Camp Dino, Bo and Zeta went to their wilderness survival class with Dr. Lovekin, where they had to build a shelter and sleep in it. But in the middle of the night, Bo awoke to Buck chasing Lovekin's pig, Cutie Pie, around camp. He tried to stop Buck, but Buck chased the hog into the dark jungle, and Bo ran after them. They came to a small camp where he found more tribal masks, spears, and a masked hunter. Bo fled, and everyone headed back to the sleep trees after Bo told Lovekin what he'd seen. Before tucking in for the night, Bo heard a motorcycle and looked out to see Kirby riding into camp. And now for episode 10, Kirby on the Move. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Camp Dino.
All right, dynamites. Remember, you should never, ever try this at home. Dr. Rex was standing in front of his class in a sprint start position, wearing a huge helmet. Across from him, on the other side of the room, was a young Pachycephalosaurus. It dug its hind legs into the ground like a raging bull ready to charge. Its nostrils flared. Its hard, domed head, surrounded by a crown of little horns, lowered, ready to ram. Noah, the dino's caretaker and one of the smallest boys in camp, nervously held onto the leash and waited for Dr. Rex's command. The class watched in silence. Are you sure this is such a good idea? Sloppy Joe sang from the back of the class. She fanned herself with a big jungle leaf and munched on a dinosaur-shaped sugar cookie. I'll be just fine, Joe. Don't you worry, Dr. Rex assured her. I played rugby back in college. I didn't get much playing time, but I had my fair share of tackles during practice. He smacked his helmet and grunted to get himself psyched. You are delaying, Dr. Rex, Helga Bronson shouted from the back. She leaned against the bone wall with her arms folded, clearly there for the spectacle of the demonstration. The dino is ready. The more you hesitate, the harder it will be. Prepare to be wowed, Helga, Dr. Rex said, grunting awkwardly as he continued to procrastinate. All right. Sloppy Joe rolled her eyes. Bo and Zeta stared between Dr. Rex and the Pachycephalosaurus. Bo knew enough about the dinosaur to know that the dino's domed skull was probably about 10 inches thick and was well equipped to smash any challenger. They were believed to fight by ramming their heads together, much like modern day bighorn rams. In other words, Dr. Rex was about to be crumpled like a pop can. Oh, on with it already, Helga shouted. Now, Dr. Rex ordered. Noah dropped the leash. The Pachycephalosaurus and Dr. Rex charged at each other. Crack! The sound made the whole class jump to their feet. Dr. Rex's helmet split like a watermelon and he flew back several feet. With another flare of the nostrils, the Pachycephalosaurus held its footing and let out a threatening growl. There was a unified gasp, and poor Noah, glancing around as if he might be in trouble, slowly picked up his dinosaur's leash and shuffled back to his seat. Everyone stared in shock at Dr. Rex's unconscious body that lay limp on the floor, pieces of helmet scattered all around him. Ash and his carnivores broke into a fit of laughter. Pushing past them, Sloppy Joe tossed her cookie and ran over to Dr. Rex, Oh, Dr. Rex, not my Rexy-poo. She crouched down next to him and patted his cheeks. Oh, come on, Dr. Rex. Oh, come on. Most of the girls were running over to check on him. Bo and Zeta were among them. Is he dead? One of the girls asked. Someone get Dr. Dot, Sloppy Joe ordered. Not necessary, Helga said marching over as if she'd seen this a hundred times before. Everyone get back! You too, Joe! Sloppy Joe reluctantly backed up with the rest of the kids. Splash! Helga Bronson threw a glass of water into Dr. Rex's face, and the man gasped. 
<coughs> Where am I? He coughed. Helga helped him to his feet. You are still in your class, Dr. Rex, Helga told him. You have just finished a very idiotic experiment. Dr. Rex looked around in a daze, half of the helmet still dangling off his head. He looked lost. Did I win the race, Mummy? Some of the kids giggled. I am not your mummy, Helga assured him. Do I get a cookie for running the race, Mummy? Huh? You said I would. I have plenty of cookies, Joe beamed and pulled one from her pocket. Wonderful. Helga sighed. Better get you to dot after all. Putting one of his arms over her shoulders, she helped him walk towards the exit. Sloppy Joe looked on with intense jealousy. Bo and Zeta watched as Dr. Rex mumbled in a very Lovekin-like way while he and Dr. Bronson hobbled out of the bone yurt and made their way to Dot's greenhouse hospital. I guess class is over? Zeta finally said, shrugging at Bo. I think so, Bo said. They both took their dinosaurs and headed to the galley for lunch. Sloppy Joe looked especially worried as she served the kids lunch, which was a delicious soup bread bowl topped with dino crackers. Between every bowl served, she kept running to the galley exit to look outside for any sign of Dr. Rex. Each time, she'd end up deflating and shuffling back to her post. Poor lady, Zeta said, tossing the triplets or crackers. Didn't she see how Dr. Rex lit up when Helga came into the room? Bo shook his head. Probably not. That was definitely the moment he decided it'd be a good idea to ram heads with a pachycephalosaurus. He'll be lucky if he ever remembers his name again. One table over, Buck was biting into another kid's bread bowl, and Bo was pretending not to notice. He was sick of getting up and asking for more servings on behalf of his never-satisfied T-Rex. To his surprise, he saw Buck tear off a big piece and place it before Shoot, Scoot, and Toot. The Triceratopses clashed horns over the food, and Buck struggled to get them to take turns. He kept growling and whacking the others away while one took a turn. <laughs> She's so distracted, look at her. Zeta pointed at Sloppy Joe. The apron-clad cook was frantically trying to serve kids lunch while keeping a long-necked Brachiosaurus from arching its head over the counter and slurping soup straight from the pot. Behind her, Tuku was sneaking into the kitchen and trying to steal the three-tier chocolate cake that had the words, Get well soon, Dr. Rex, written in frosting across it. <laughs> Tuku poked it with his chubby monkey finger and licked the frosting. Huh? <laughs> oh no, you don't! Sloppy Joe whirled around and chased the monkey with a ladle. <laughs> Tuku grabbed a bag of frosting as he dodged her swings and quickly climbed out of harm's way. Once he found a nice place to perch himself, high up in the open ship, he squirted the frosting into his mouth and howled happily. <laughs> I wonder how much stuff that monkey has stolen, Bo wondered aloud. A lot, 
Zeta said as she grabbed Shoot by the tail and yanked him away from jabbing at a Gallimimus with his horns. He robbed me again just last night. Seriously? What did he get? That knife Gavin was carving for me. It's a real bummer too because I was planning on practicing with it. She glared up at Tuku who was now squirting kids and dinosaurs with frosting. <laughs> Gavin's not going to be happy when he finds out Tuku's got it. Yeah, that's if we ever find him. Have you talked to Kirby yet? Nope. His motorcycle was parked outside the gathering head, but I can't find him anywhere. Pretty sure I caught a glimpse of him a few times, but he was gone before I could stop him. Sounds like he's avoiding you. Wouldn't doubt it. Zeta followed Bo's gaze upward. What do you keep looking at? That's like the tenth time you've looked up there. Huh? Oh, I just keep picturing that skeleton you said was still up there sitting in one of those navigation room chairs. Kinda grosses me out. Why? They're just bones. There are bones all over this camp. Not human bones. Bo's eyes trailed upward again. He couldn't see the skeleton from this angle, but he could imagine it. His imagination ran wild, and he pictured an old pirate skeleton covered in treasure. I wonder who it was. Did it have its mouth open like this? Bo tilted his head and let his mouth hang open. <laughs> no, Zeta laughed. It was more like this. She draped herself over her chair and let her jaw hang down at an angle. They both laughed. Oh, um, Scoot is... Bo pointed to Scoot, who was now taking a nap on the back of a wandering stegosaurus. I know, Zeta said without looking. She's been doing that during the last few meals. The stegosaurus doesn't seem to mind, so... Eh. She couldn't have picked a more uncomfortable back to sleep on. <laughs> Seriously. Zeta tossed some more crackers to shoot and toot. Did you hear about the shoot? No. What happened? Zeta leaned in as if she were telling a secret. Apparently, there were a few kids that were floating down the chute yesterday on their way to the oasis, and a group of masked people came out of nowhere and punctured their tubes with spears. Bo spit his soup. <coughs> what? What kind of masks were they? Zeta shrugged and continued eating calmly. Don't know. They just said masked people poked their tubes with spears and then ran off. Bo fell back into his chair. What in the world? Tribal masked people poking tubes? None of this makes sense. He lurched forward. What if they are the ones that have Gavin? Anything's possible. Maybe Kirby ran into the masked people while he was out. You gonna keep looking for him today? Of course. I'll track him down eventually. After I find him, I might go have a talk with Pa. Zeta set down her spoon. You're going to tell him what you saw? No. I just wanted to talk to him about something he said in the cavern. Here we go. He forgot to mention that modern-day birds are descendants of theropod dinosaurs. And that millions of years ago... Zeta endured Bo's dinosaur ramblings all the way out of the galley. As they made their way to the next class, Zeta stopped and interrupted Bo. Look! She pointed to Kirby's motorcycle that was parked next to the blue sleep tree. They looked at each other and then ran over to it. Kirby? Bo called out. Kirby, are you up there? Buck and the triplets sniffed over the motorcycle. <laughs> Shoot got a little overzealous and accidentally poked a hole in one of the tires with his horn. 
Bo and Zeta looked up at the branches and saw nothing. They circled the tree and saw nothing. Check it out! Zeta pointed at the ferns beyond the tree, and there was Kirby making a run for it. What the heck? Kirby! Bo squinted to make sure he wasn't seeing things. Is he running away? Uh, yeah, looks like it. Look how fast he's moving. You'd think we were starving zombies or something. Bo grabbed Buck's leash. Come on, let's go chase him down. Ah, 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 slow your roll, Sherlock. We're going to be late for your favorite class with Dr. Skye if we don't go now. Bo groaned. Oh, do we have to? Zeta put her arm around him. Come on, we'll catch up with Kirby later. They both ordered their dinos to move with them, and they followed. Buck, Shoot, Toot, and Scoot were getting much better at following commands. They stopped along the way to pursue various distractions and let Buck finish eating a huge snake, which Bo hoped wasn't poisonous. But as soon as Bo or Zeta said a command, they pulled themselves away and continued on. Several minutes later, the dinos were tied off at the base of a tree, and Bo found himself back up in the nest, his least favorite spot in Camp Dino. Everyone was seated across the suspended treetop net, eyes closed, legs folded, breathing deeply. Dr. Sky had just guided them through various yoga poses and was now sitting in her usual spot at the front of the class, wearing a big shirt with a rainbow tree on it, looking like she was having an out-of-body experience. And another deep breath in, she told the class. That's it. Pretend there is a balloon in your belly. Fill up that balloon. Hold it and slowly release. Ash blew a loud raspberry. Dr. Sky frowned at him. Sorry, I was just releasing the air out of my balloon, Ash joked. Some of the kids laughed. Sky closed her eyes and took another deep breath. Meditation is not a time to make jokes. Jokes are for monkeys and simple minds. We are ascended beings, here to travel the universe of energy around us. It is time to clear your mind and be present with your surroundings. Again, your belly is a giant balloon waiting to be filled. Imagine we are all just balloons floating up here in the jungle treetops, celebrating the peace and serenity that Mother Nature affords us. Deep inhale in. Fill your belly balloon. Hold and release. One of the boys passed gas. <coughs> Sorry, he blushed. Try to release through your mouth, Sky remarked without so much as smirking. Ash looked back at Bo and made a cawing sound. Caw, caw. Watch out for the birds, Bo-Bo. They'll get ya. Bo shook his head and tried to ignore him. 
He glanced over at Zeta and could see that she was in the zone. Bo wished he could forget about everything around him and get in the zone. Maybe if he could figure out how to relax enough, he wouldn't be so freaked out with heights. Zeta had helped him overcome the physical obstacle of his fear. All that was left was the mental barrier. He closed his eyes. Then, imagining there was a balloon in his belly, he took a long breath in, filling that balloon, held it for a couple of seconds, and then slowly released. For a second, he could feel his mind slow and his muscles relax. He tried it again. Long inhale in, hold, and release. His head drooped, his mind cleared, he repeated. After a few more times, Bo's mind was completely at ease and his body relaxed. He slowly opened his eyes and scanned over the trees. A flock of red parrots flew out of one of the canopies. A thunderstorm hung over one of the mountains in the distance and rumbled quietly. He felt the breeze that rustled the leaves around him and made the net creak as it swayed ever so slightly. He saw workers, little moving dots, assembling the obstacle course for the final tournament outside of the arena. Bo was in such a serene state that he didn't squeal or whimper even once as they lowered back down to the ground after class. Wow, Bo! You went the whole class without squeezing my arm, Zeta said, untying the triplets from the tree. My biceps usually numb by the time we get down the tree. Bo patted Buck on the belly and gave him a pancake from his backpack. You know what? It wasn't that bad. Zeta's eyebrow shot up. Really? Bo took another dramatic breath through his nose. Really, he said through his exhale. I think I finally inflated my balloon, and I'm going to keep it inflated. Um, I don't think that's what that means. Shh, Bo gracefully waved a hand in front of Zeta's face. It means what the monkey spirits want it to mean. Okay, I think you might be hypnotized or something. Zeta's eyes bounced between Bo and his shoes. Do you seriously not feel Buck chewing on your shoe right now? I do, but I don't care, Bo breathed. Oh boy, let's see. Zeta took a note from Helga's playbook and splashed her water bottle in Bo's face. Bo snapped out of his trance and coughed. <laughs> what the? What just? He glanced down at his foot. <laughs> Zeta laughed as Bo pried Buck off his foot. Welcome back. Your balloon carried you away there for a sec. Zeta teased Bo about his trance all the way to the Tree of Knowledge. Why are we stopping here? Zeta said as they reached the massive ancient tree. I want to see if there are any books on the history of the area. Maybe we can find some clues that'll give us an idea of what's going on. 
Bo and Zeta tied their dinos to the hook on the tree and then climbed into the ball chair. Bo spun the ship's wheel once they were seated and the chair rotated up the tree, past the full bookcases carved into the trunk and branches. Bo wasn't sure what he was looking for exactly, so he just scanned over the book titles as they ascended. There were a couple of intriguing titles, The Heart of the Jungle and A History of Ruins, but none of them seemed specific enough for what he was looking for. He was flipping through A History of Ruins when a book suddenly hit him in the arm. Whack! Hey! He looked at Zeta who was trying to balance a book on her index finger. Don't look at me, she said. Whack! A dictionary-sized book hit Bo in the forehead. Ow! What the heck? He held his aching head and looked just in time to dodge another flying book. Tuco! You little punk! <laughs> Tuku was dangling from a nearby branch and throwing books with his free arm. He was wearing one of Kirby's leather jackets, one of Dr. Rex's safari hats, and one of Ma's pearl necklaces. The fat monkey howled gleefully at them. <laughs> Why are monkeys... Bo dodged another one. Obsessed with throwing things! Zeta held up her book to block Tuku's attacks. Bo did the same, grabbing the biggest book he could find in his backpack and using it to deflect the constant barrage of literature. Finally, Tuku ran out of books, so he threw a rolled up piece of cloth from his pocket, which bounced harmlessly off Bo's <laughs> chest. Out of ammo, Tuku lunged for the next branch shelf full of books. But before he could reach it, Zeta threw her book at him and hit him square in the head midair. <laughs> Bo and Zeta cringed as the monkey tumbled down the tree, bouncing off branches. Before he could hit the ground, Tuku's stolen leather jacket caught on the last branch. The monkey flailed furiously until rip! The jacket tore and the monkey dropped down to the ground and landed next to Buck and the triplets, who immediately started growling at him. Is it messed up that I found that extremely satisfying? Zeta said, staring down at the sprawled out monkey. Is it messed up that I'm kind of disappointed to see him getting up? Bo added. They watched as Tuku got to his feet, shook his head, and then hooted angrily up at them. I bet if we spoke monkey, we'd be hearing some very offensive things right now, Zeta said. Tuku howled furiously as he turned and ran into the jungle. Bo saw a familiar figure moving in the trees nearby. Kirby! Bo called down. Hey, Kirby! Up here! Kirby glanced up at them and then disappeared into the trees. It's official. We're zombies, Zeta said, slouching back into the ball chair. Bo shook his head. What's up with that guy? Does he seriously think he can dodge us forever? Maybe you should sick Buck on him. Might have to, Bo chuckled. Or maybe I should have thrown this book at him. Bo held up the book he'd taken from his backpack. He was gripping it with his thumb halfway through the book. He caught a glimpse of a strange drawing on the exposed page. 
Slowly, he leaned the book against the ship's wheel and opened to the marked page. There was a drawing of a red T-Rex in the blank space at the end of the chapter. It looked just like the one he'd seen painted on the boulder. Next to it were handwritten notes. Check this out, Bo pointed to it and Zeta leaned over. Is that? I think so. It looks too similar to be a coincidence. Zeta pointed to some scribble next to it. What does that say? It says, We think the red T-Rex has a special meaning to them. It is a powerful symbol. Then there are some random words with question marks, maybe guessing what the meaning of the symbol is? There's a god of fury, a protector, powerful spirit. What is that? Zeta pointed to another little note on the margins of the page. Bo squinted at the tiny scribble. Ma's still trying to recreate the blue. They both looked at each other. Where'd you get that book? Zeta asked. It's one of the books Pa suggested. These must be his notes. They spent the next several minutes poring over the book, looking for any more handwritten notes in the margins. As they were nearing the end, they heard Buck suddenly roar down below. (laughs) They looked and saw the T-Rex lowering his head and growling at the jungle. That was never a good sign. Bo felt his insides tighten as several people wearing tribal masks emerged from the trees. Bo, it's them, Zeta said. Bo's heart started to pound in his chest. The masked group was approaching the tree and looking up at them. What did they want, he thought. Were they after Buck? He heard one of the masked people laugh, a very familiar laugh. Then Bo saw it. A small raptor trotted out from behind the one laughing. Ash? Bo shouted. You're the one with the masks? Ash laughed. Who's Ash? Buck and the triplets growled at Ash's raptor, and the raptor nipped at them. I know how much you love heights, Buzzhead, so I'm going to do you a favor and help you enjoy the view for a while. They watched in horror as Ash wedged a rock in the ball chair crank. Buck chomped down within inches of Ash's leg, but was pulled back by the leash. Don't worry, buddy. I didn't forget about you. I brought you a little snack. I know how much you like to eat. Ash took a little bag from his pocket and opened it to reveal a dead, greenish-blue frog. Here, have a bite. Don't eat it, Buck! Bo shouted. Don't touch it, it's poisonous! Buck looked up at him and whined. Ash set the dead frog on the ground. Go on, take it. Doesn't it look tasty? Buck, don't touch it, Bo called. (laughs) Buck sniffed it and then took a couple steps back. Ash's eyes grew furious behind his mask. Fine, let's see if your little friends will eat it. He kicked the frog in front of Shoot, Toot, and Scoot. No! Zeta cried. The Triceratopses immediately bolted for the treat. But just before they could reach it, they were whacked away by Bucks' long red tail. 
He roared at them and they cowered back. Get out of here, you punks! Zeta started throwing books down at Ash and his masked carnivores, forcing them to jump out of the way. Help! Bo shouted. Somebody help us! Between Zeta's thrown books and Bo's cries for helps, Ash and his gang finally slunk back into the jungle. Zeta yanked on the rope holding up the ball chair. He put a wedge in the lift. The chair's going nowhere. We'll have to climb down. Bo stared wide-eyed down the tree. Help! Help! We're stuck! The dinos roared up at them. Zeta shook her head. Bo, we have to... Shh! Bo stopped her. Look! Down below, Cutie Pie came waddling out into the clearing, snorting and looking for food. Cutie Pie! Bo called down to her. Cutie Pie, go get help! Cutie Pie snorted up at them and then took off squealing as soon as Buck growled. Zeta raised an eyebrow at him. You realize you were just talking to a pig, right? You have a better idea? Zeta looked down the long trunk. Nope, you're right. Climbing's not an option. I could probably make it, but without a rope, you'd be a goner. Exactly. Let's just wait it out. Someone's bound to come along looking for a book eventually. Hours went by. Bo passed the time pouring through books, looking for more clues while Zeta tossed treats down to their dinos. The sun was starting to set, and the view of the fiery sunset over the jungle trees was breathtaking. Bo was too busy reading to enjoy it, but Zeta leaned her head against the ball chair and watched the dark silhouettes of pterodactyls flying against the orange backdrop. Bo went to turn the page of his book and stopped when he noticed the rolled-up piece of cloth on his lap, the one Tuku had thrown at him. He unraveled it and looked it over. No way, he whispered. Bo, look! Zeta pointed down the tree. Cutie Pie was running back into the clearing, snorting and squealing. Trailing behind her was a gruff voice. What are you, Cutie Pie? Why are you making me hog out here in the dark? Dr. Lovekin, in all his hairy glory, came hobbling out of the trees. Bo and Zeta sprang up in their seat. Dr. Lovekin, up here! They shouted. We're stuck! Ash and his friends blocked the lift! It was hard to see Lovekin's expression as their surroundings darkened, but Bo could tell by his head's sudden jerk upward that he was surprised to find them stuck up in the tree. Lovekin looked between them and the blocked lift and hesitated. What's he waiting for? Zeta whispered. Please, Dr. Lovekin! Bo shouted. Please help us get down! Lovekin hesitated some more, and then, after a few frustrated grunts, he walked over, pulled the rock from the ball chair's gears, then turned and disappeared back into the jungle with his pig by his side. Bo and Zeta celebrated as the chair slowly lowered back down the tree. Moments later, they were running up to the gathering hut, along with the rest of the kids. A green bonfire roared inside and gave the giant dome a spaceship-like glow. They saw Kirby standing in line with the rest of the kids and dinosaurs, waiting to get in. There you are, Bo said, running up to him. Kirby immediately turned and tried to limp away, but Zeta cornered him and blocked his escape. 
shoot Toot and Scoot growling by her side. Before he could turn and run the other way, Bo and Buck closed in from behind. Kirby tossed his long, dark hair out of his face and glanced around nervously. Look, guys, we're going to be late for the bonfire. Let's chat afterwards, huh? What, so you can just sneak out the back and hide from us again? Bo said, folding his arms. Kirby heaved a sigh and put his hands on his hips. <sighs> Why are you trying to avoid us? Zeta asked. Kirby made sure the rest of the kids were in the tent. Pa told me that you two keep asking about Gavin and what's going on, and I'm not... He looked around again. I'm not supposed to say anything, okay? Ma and Pa want to make sure everyone feels safe. How's that possible when one of our friends goes missing in the jungle? Bo said, clenching his teeth. We need to find Gavin. Kirby raised his tattooed hands. I know, I know. Gavin means a lot to me too. Believe me, I'm doing everything I can to find him. And? Zeta raised her eyebrows. And I haven't found him yet, Kirby said, his face full of disappointment. Of course. Bo shook his head. Look, kid, I'm not giving up on him, all right? He's done this before, and we've found him before. I'd still be out there looking for him, but I ran out of supplies. I'm stocking up and planning to head back out tomorrow. As soon as I fix the tire on my bike, years I've been riding it around here, and nothing. Now it decides to go flat? Zeta shot shoot a quick glance. Great, we're coming with you, Bo said. No, you're not. Yes, we are, Zeta added. He's our friend. We're not going to let him just get eaten by pythons out there. That was graphic, Bo said. Zeta shrugged. You get my point? Bo smiled. He was grateful to see Zeta come around. So your bike has a flat tire. You know, you offered to take us on that jeep ride, remember? Kirby shook his head. Mm-mm, things have changed. It's not safe. I can't take you two with me. Ma and Pa would... What's that? He raised an eyebrow at the piece of cloth that Bo now dangled in front of his face. It looked like a piece of torn denim shirt with blue stains on it. We got this from Tuku, Bo said slowly. He watched Kirby's face change as he registered what it was. I'll prep the jeep, Kirby said suddenly. Meet me by the front gate just before sunrise. Bring your dinos, but keep them quiet. And bring that piece of shirt. We'll have the dinos use it to help us sniff him out. He turned and started limping away. Kirby, Bo called after him. Kirby stopped and looked back. Who should we tell? No one. Kirby turned and limped into the shadows.
Hey, Rocketeers! I hope you like that episode of Camp Dino. Things are getting pretty interesting. We're getting closer to the end. I'm excited for the climax that's coming up here pretty soon. I'm going to take a second to give some shout-outs to our special patrons, Kehlani and his mom, Greta. Kehlani is seven and a half and has been listening since he was four. That is amazing, Rocketeers. When I hear that some of you have been loyal for years, listening for years, that's incredible. I'm so grateful for your continued support. Thank you so much, Kehlani. I know you're enjoying Camp Dino um, and that I think your family's favorite life episodes are Manners Manor and the Tomato Smash. I love Manners Manor. Manners Manor is such a weird, wonky story, but there's something about that butler or uh, whatever that character is that that runs the Manners Manor that is just, I don't know, he's hilarious. (laughs) I really like that episode. Um, and I got this feedback. I attribute in part his high reading level and vocabulary and love of stories to his access to great podcast stories. So thank you. Thanks for the laughs, creativity, stimulating my child's imagination and much more. Ah, oh, thank you so much. And thank you so much for your support. I also want to give a big thank you shout out to our patrons, Lizzie and Billy, who live in Oak Bank, Manitoba, Canada. Thank you so much, Lizzie and Billy, for your support and for listening to the show. And Simeon and his mom, Heather, who are fans of Camp Dino, and Ran Forty, who wrote to me, actually, and pointed out that birds are descendants of theropod dinosaurs, which is true. I actually mentioned that in this email. I also want to give a shout-out to Kaylee, who said, The Purple Rocket Podcast helps me overcome hard challenges. It's my favorite podcast. I am part of the older listeners, almost 13, and I love this podcast. I want to say thank you for making it. I freak out with excitement every time you put out a new episode, so thank you. And a shout-out to her friend Alexis and her cousin Autumn. Thank you so much for listening and for sharing it with your friends. I love it. I want to review some feedback from some Apple Podcast reviews. This one is from He's One Shot. That's the username, I believe. And it says, more digger, dot, 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 like now. <laughs> Great podcast for kids. Although it does take Mr. Webb a while to publish because of editing and stuff. But there are like seven different unique adventures to go on and is perfect for long car rides or bedtime stories. Seriously, one of, if not the best podcast ever humanly created. My personal favorites are Digger and Camp Dino. I love your podcast, Greg. I love it. Thank you, he's one shot. He's one shot. Like, I'm really trying to figure out that username. He's one shot. Is that like a quote from something? Or I don't know. Somebody's going to have to write me and tell me what that means. Um, But I love the feedback. And I appreciate your understanding that it takes me a while to edit these. Um, Just to kind of walk you through a timeline of how long it takes me. When I write the first draft... It does take me a while because it's about 15 to 20 pages to write an episode. Um, you know, and they, they end up being 35, 40 minutes or more sometimes. Uh, and then after I write it, I send it to my mom, Roxanne. Thank you, mom, for editing them. She'll kind of look it over, help me point out any plot holes, clean it up, um, help with punctuation or just my grammar or wording or something's awful. In some parts, she does an amazing job of helping with that. She actually helped me a lot with this episode because there was there were some parts... I wasn't super satisfied with how I handled a certain scene, and I, I hopped on a quick call with her and <laughs> talked it through with her. Anyway, moms are amazing. Who doesn't love her? You guys cherish your moms and dads. Um, parents are amazing. The support we get from parents. Look, I'm in my 30s, and I can still turn to my parents for help. It's awesome. 
and hope to be able to do that for many years to come. So anyway, I spend the time, she edits it, sends it back. I look over her edits, make any changes necessary, and then I record it. And then it takes me a long time to edit, obviously, the audio itself and, and do sound effects and whatnot. So anyway, he's one shot. Thank you for understanding the work that goes into that. And I'm, I'm so glad that you are enjoying it. So to your point where you said more digger, you are not the only one that recently left a review about that. Another one from um, another review from R. Sin Mai. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that correctly. It says, yeah, dude. And I love that they said dude because anybody who knows me and knows my regular speech when I'm talking, I say dude all the time. Dudes. I love the word dude. I say it all the time. So anyway, yeah, dude, dude says, please make another season of Grandpa's Globe and Digger. And there was another one further down that said, please more Digger. So I love that you all love Digger and Digger is definitely one of my favorite stories I've done so far. Um, I'm going to be totally honest, Rocketeers. My intention, at least right now, is to make Digger a standalone season, a standalone series. I just sometimes you just have a story that just doesn't need a bunch of sequels. You know, we don't need a bunch more ETs. We don't need a bunch more Goonies. I just, I don't know. I know people can argue with me that. Who knows? And I and I might take this back. Maybe down the road I'll do another season of Digger. But for right now, let's just let it, let's just let it simmer. Huh? Let's let it just sink in there. Let's let it be its own thing. I love the story. And, and who knows? Maybe I'll revisit it, like I said, in the future down the road. But right now... It is what it is. So, um, but I love that you love it enough to request more of it. And Grandpa's Globe, I do plan on coming back to Grandpa's Globe eventually for at least one more season. We'll see when I do that. But the next season I plan on doing is actually uh, another season of Space Train. So for all those out there who have been emailing uh, or messaging me uh, about Space Train, stay tuned. It's coming your way soon. And, uh, and I think we're going to have a lot of fun with it. Space Train's a fun series. I have another one planned as well. I have a number of ideas. Rocketeers, get comfortable because I have this idea journal with a bunch of series ideas. And I, it's just, I just want to jump from one to the next. It's so hard for me to stay on one thing for too long because I get antsy to start on another idea which is fun, but I know you're all wanting more of some of these same episodes. I'm trying to do that to some extent while also exploring some of these other fun ideas that that I have that I want to jump into. So anyway, either way, Rocketeers, it's amazing that you're listening to these stories, that you're wanting uh, more of these characters. And that's what it tells me is that you guys are connecting with the characters. And that's what's really most important to me. I want these characters to be relatable. Um, I, I want the settings to be fun, uh, places that you'd want to visit or engage in, or maybe places that you don't want to visit if it's a, a pretty crazy place. There, I know we've written, there have been some stories where it's a place I definitely wouldn't want to be, like an underearth with those worms. Oh my goodness, not sure I'd want to be around worms that big. Anyway, thank you so much, Rocketeers. If you're looking to support the show, please go to patreon.com. And look at Purple Rocket Podcast, become a patron. And hopefully, I know some of you have wanted merchandise. I'm working on that. Hopefully, I can get a store with some merch uh, up soon. So stay tuned. Maybe some t-shirts or something. It'll be out, I'll, I'll post at some point. But I'll let you all know. I'll send out an email, an announcement on Facebook once I finally get around to doing that. I've been so crazy busy. But thank you, thank you, thank you, Rocketeers. And don't forget to tune back.
for an all-new episode coming your way soon. This is your host, Greg Webb.